Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Young hearts run free. Welcome to season seven, episode nine of the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. I'm John Cassidy. He is Stephen Watt. We have a hell of a lot to speak about before we get to this week's guest. Do we not, Stevie boy? It's been a busy week, John, at Young Hearts Run Free HQ. We've Mm -hmm. been ramping up our hydro levels to Malky, I think it's fair to say. I'm going to put a spin door in the front of my house because it's just been going boom, 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 boom. Is that all the buff buffs orders getting... Yeah. Let's start on that. Pride buff buffs went off their nut after I unleashed it at the Forfer multi-terrain half marathon last weekend. Um, got to say a big thank you up front to Gordon Donachie for featuring said Pride buff buff on his uh, wonderful photographs that he does. Free of charge for everybody, by the way. So thank you very much, Fishy Gordon Sam. Thank you Definitely. very much. Well done, Sam. Yeah. So, um, but the, the Pride Buff Buffs went out, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, we put them out. And yep. already, well over oh, half of them are gone. And they've all been, everybody that's ordered, they've been posted. They're going to be with you for the big love-a-thon that, oh. we're, that we're launching for Valentine's Day 2023. The 14th of February 2023 is officially... A Young Hearts Run Free Loving. So, there you go. You have all... And you know what? It's not just about the Pride Buff Buffs. If you've got the original one... The OG. The OG one, the La Buff Buff. Or if you've got the Away Kit, which is the Sexy Buff Buff. Yep. Or the Pride Buff Buff. Come on, if you've got the three of them, wear the lot. Get buffed at your nut. Triple buffed. Ah, there's only a few who will be getting a triple buff. Oh, there Nobody, is. There's only you know. few got the whole collection. I'm gladly one of them. Mines are um, treasured. Yes, definitely, most definitely. So, okay. a big thank you to everybody who so far has uh, purchased a Pride Buff Buff. They are absolutely beautiful. They're bright. They're very special. So, enjoy them. Please send us a photograph when it lands with you. Stephen is showing me his right now. There's also a wee love heart, isn't there? Just that, after the word podcast, so that we wee put love the, heart is just designed especially for us to show you our love and our other other meaningful things that the pride come with a pride buff buff. Definitely. So get your photos on socials when they land with you. If you're going to an event, wear your pride buff buff. And if folk ask you where did you get that, tell them I got that with Young Hearts on Free podcast. And lastly, John. Yeah. Now you've launched National Loving Pride La Buff Buff Valentine's Day, right? Yep, yep. There'll be folk listening who this is the first time they're even realising that Pride Buff Buffs are available. Yes, tell them, exactly. Tell them how they can get their hands on one of the precious few remaining. You can come to our socials, which predominantly is either on Twitter or on Instagram. Send Only. us some. Well, that's only socials we use right now. But we're thinking about TikTok, but we're not there yet. Um, send us a message, and we will send you the information about how to do that. Or you can even I'm not I'm not even going to say the the email account because I can't remember what it is. So do it on you socials. Know, no, it's no obvious who does socials, John. 
Right, give me a minute. Right, I'll give you John's home landline phone number. It's 01738 <laughs> <No>. <laughs> It is, aye. But uh, the word podcast is in there, so if you yeah. would like, is it that? Aye. Young Hearts Run Free Podcast at gmail.com. You can send us an email and if you want to do it that way. So that's everything covered. Or just approach me in the shop in the tune. That'd be fine. Usually <laughs> he's hanging about outside Murray's the Bakers. It's a good bet that that is where you will find John, especially on a Friday where he stocks up for his weekend festivities. <laughs> I love the wee pineapple cakes at the day. Oh, I know. I can actually set up a wee stall in there. Anyway, I'm not going to okay. do that. Let's right. speak about something else. Well, you mentioned there, John, your day out last Sunday morning up in Angus at the Forfar Multi-Terrain Half Marathon. Yeah. Uh, Stevie Boy predicted 154.49 last week. Oh. Let's, let's get to the results page, John. <laughs> I was two hours and eleven two hours and eleven seconds. As we both that. But I but I can clarify why I was that, right? Uh Um it was a brilliant morning. Absolutely great day for running. There wasn't a breath of wind, totally still. It had been a wee bit frosty up in Angus. So it was a, a good day. But right, long story short, John, long story short. I'd been at a gig on a Friday night, standing on my feet all night. Was meant to rest all day Saturday. Didn't do that. Ended up stripping wallpaper for the best part of five or six hours. Was DJing on Saturday night. Did 9,000 steps when I was DJing. I was looking for a bar stool, but forgot about that. So I was doing a wee bit of dancing, 9,000 steps. Not the best preparation. No. Got home about half one on Sunday morning. Got my watch tells me I've got four hours and 12 minutes of sleep. Um, so I was up early doors, up in Forfar, and I think all that had maybe taken a wee bit out of my legs, but it's no excuse. I still had a rare old time, had a good run, met loads of good folk, met a number of listeners as well, dished out plenty of stickers. Um, big thank you to the Forfar Roadrunners for organising it. The race itself... Up to a, somebody actually said to me at one point, "That's a right good cadence you've got." Who's that for a compliment, Stephen? But I didn't I, kind of. Is that back I think, but I think they were trying to lull me in. Can what I mean? It was one of them. The person that said, "It's just afford that wee bray." Can the wee bray? It's only about two mile in. Oh yeah, just up through the loch, up Aye. through the houses. Just approaching that wee bray. I was overtaking this lady and she said, that's a bro cadence you've got there. And I was like, I came with you're up to. Uh, <laughs> Were you overtaking her, did you say? Aye, I was doing that early doors, man. I was fleeing. And then, um, but there's a bit where, it's the first bit when you come off the, the road and you uh-huh. take a sharp right and you hit a farm track and that's yep. where you hit the sort of multi-terrain bit, right? Yeah, aye, it's kind of can be flooded and puddly. Well, it was exactly that, and it was, I'm going to say ice, there was a thin bit of ice on the top, but there was a lot of people were 
hesitant about coming off the middle and going to the side, and there wasn't a straight line regardless Aye. where you went. So I lost a bit of momentum there, and then I also lost a bit of momentum going up that bloody hill about nine miles in. But Bummy. Is that what it's called, Bummy? Right. It's got a longer name than that, but I think um, locally it's known as Bummy. Aye, well, it's a it's a hard hill anyway. And somebody said, I think it was, Ali said, if you get to the top of that hill in an hour and a half, you can get a two-hour finish or a sub-two-hour finish. I was at the top of that hill about 129, but something went wrong, man. I was I was coming down it feeling all right, feeling really good. And what I must say is I got my hydration and my nutrition bang on. I was actually feeling good all the way down. But I've definitely tired in the last two miles, mile and a half. And I put that into my Friday night, Saturday night antics. So Burning simple. the candle at both ends, as your there, mom would say. As she would she would say that. If there was three ends, I'd have let the three of them stay by. Okay. But it was um but it was a great day, man. It looked it in it in your forties and stuff that you got with others. And other photos that I've seen, it, it looked another smasher up in Forfar. It would be one that I'd highly recommend that Aye. next year get up and do it. It sells out really quickly. And the highlight, of course, coming up after you cross the finish line, you've dusted yourself off, you're into the rugby club. Mm-hmm. They were the... Now, in the pre-race information, they asked you to take your own cup for soup. Aye. Right? So I had a cup. But when I went in to register, a woman said to me, have you got a cup? I went, no, be me right now. And she gave me a cup with a Glen Clover half marathon. They must have had a a heap of them made and had some left over. Take take one of them. I said, thank you very much. So I took my Glen Clover half marathon cup in. I had lentil soup. It was, I think there was maybe three on offer. Three -hmm. different types of soup. Brilliant. And then, as I put on social media, forgot to take a photo. Disappointed in that, actually, John. All the way from my car into the hut, the pavilion, if you want to call it, I was saying, now just take a couple of photographs, it'll be fine. Didn't get too united. Didn't get excited. All went to shit. As soon as my head went through that door, got a wee whiff, I was like, (laughs) oh my God, I was like, I was like the bear and I got the Willy Wonka golden ticket, man. Honestly, it was brilliant. Were you hating the LB folk out of the way, or was it? Like... I didn't. I didn't hate. There was the volume was immense. There was food everywhere. Oh man! And they had it all set out like there were all this sort of savoury stuff. And then there was eventually I made my way out to the table where there was chocolate and all that. Mm-hmm. And I sit, but there was a group of women standing speaking, and I had to reach over. I was like, and that at the point at a tin, I'm going that tin there. I want that tin. She went, how many do you want? I said, oh, just give me the tin. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it was this chocolate cake. It was heavy, man. There was a good oh. weight in it. it. It was brilliant. But I was then also very much aware that somebody was watching me. Aye. So he's got to be quite cock, Annie, eh? So, a wee bit. You didn't want to embarrass yourself too much where you're no. showing off your no. true colours. But no. anyway, I'm... I'm glad that you've been able to describe it so wonderfully because I was disappointed there wasn't photographic evidence. Let's let's be upfront about that. But well done. You've described the buffet. 
you've taken longer to describe that than you did the race, which is <laughs> not a disappointment. So <laughs> probably tells its own story. <laughs> <laughs> but it sends a smasher of a day out. Well done. Two hours Thank eleven you. seconds. John makes a habit of just going above the hour mark. Exactly. Exactly. Next next time you'll be below it. <laughs> now we should also mm-hmm. um give a wee shout out and a good luck message. We've got two competition prizes two two different competitions that are happening this weekend first up the Federesso marathon is taking place this weekend and our winners there were gordon reed and katrina bruce so very best of luck to you guys weather's looking no bad should be a smashing day up in aberdeenshire yeah can't wait to to read all about it you're in scotland Definitely. And then down at the Villa Trail Running, we have Lucy Pierce. Yep. Yep. Lucy Pierce and Charlie King is going to do his thing down at the Villa Forest this weekend. They they were the winners of our 15k places down at the Villa. So good luck to both Lucy and Charlie as well. So Gordon Carr, Lucy, Charlie, all representing the Young Hearts Run Free podcast out there this weekend. Torah about it. Definitely. Competition update. We're oh, yes. going to be drawing the Dundawater slash river prize next week. This is a prize that's been uh, kindly donated to us by Canvas Lang Harriers. And if you wish to enter, you've got to, let's call it Wednesday. Let's call it Wednesday. The um, day after National Pride Loving Young Hearts Run Free with Buff Buff Day. That's it, man. That's it. Um, you've got until Wednesday. It's on our social media, Instagram or Twitter. Yep. Go and find the post. It's there. It's very easy to enter, and we'll do that draw. We'll get that big wheel, out and we'll spin the wheel on Wednesday and announce it next week. Big wheel keeps on turning. Play on the playlist. Oh, boy, put that in. The Icantina version, yeah, definitely. Let's add that in today. Um, okay, John. We've had a couple of people creating Strava segments after last week's request on the oh, yeah. show. A bit of Young Hearts Run Free inspired Strava segments in your local hood. So the ball is rolling. That's absolutely brilliant, Stephen. It is. I think it is absolutely brilliant too. And smashing. Folks getting in about it and doing their thing. So, yeah, big thanks. Johnny Logan, Dialect Dash, yeah. down in the Berwick upon Tweed area. Yep. And awesome. then um, Bob Barn up in where's he? Forest or some McDuff. Is it not McDuff? Ah, he's up that neck of the woods. That neck of the woods. Um see he runs that much on a Strava in the in the vicinity of where he lives. I'm never a hundred percent sure where he actually stays, such as the miles that he covers. Anyway, he's created dirty swanking bar steward. <laughs> <laughs> thank you to Johnny and to Bob for getting that ball rolling for us we encourage every single listener of the podcast to go and set you set up your own Strava segments in your hood let's spread the word let's get it going Damn. Cool. okay mere news emanating from the world of racing yes. big big news of an iconic event opening up for entries this Sunday evening so this Sunday. You might be okay. listening to it after Sunday. When I say Sunday evening, we're talking about Sunday the 12th of February, 7pm 
entries to the Ochterarder Running Festival are open. 10k. What? Sorry. No, I was going to say, what, what day is the running festival this year? It's um, the 9th and 10th of September, so Saturday, Sunday, the 9th and 10th. I'm just checking that to make sure that it is that these are Saturday, <laughs> Sunday dates. Yeah, and Saturday, the, the 9th is the 10k and Kids Junior Fun Run, which is mm-hmm. free, free enter. And then Sunday, the 10th is the Ochrader Half Marathon. So, Double Dare also available. Wait a minute, you want to see the medals for this year's. In fact, <laughs> The medals for this year's whole event are awesome. We like our bling, but the double dare, tell you what, you'll be, you'll hear the FOMO if you didn't do it. Yeah. And is it the same route, both routes, as last year? It's intended to be exactly the same routes, all um, okay. just the, the final checks getting done with the um, necessary governing bodies to make sure yep. that everything's hunky-dory with that but yeah same routes and all scottish athletics affiliated courses all measured up to be accurate um and, and counting on run britain rankings and all Brilliant. the other jazz so yeah full monty but awesome. yeah so it goes on sale 7 p.m 7 sunday p.m. the 12th of february and the highlight of the show is john is booked in again to be the compare for the weekend which um, for Young Hearts Run Free Diehards and folk new to the show is a, a treat for the ears <laughs> Give me a microphone in a public place, absolutely fantastic Right, no, no it would be great, we've seen tons of people last year at it for the show, I've run about what a Blue Earth Flea and John's you know, cool, cool cam and collected but it was, wasn't it brilliant to see folk Absolutely fantastic. Or in about the whole of Octorada, not just there, because people are obviously milling about in the shops before and after as well. Now I'm thinking about Simon Howie Cheese Macaroni Pies. So another way to affair. Aye, brilliant. So aye, and about it. Cool. Okay, so yeah, man. One of the one of the reasons that we've been up to excitement levels have been ramped up in the Young Hearts Run for the HQ this week is because of a new collaboration that we have launched after a opportunity was presented to us um, and as John likes to say, name out for Shy Burns. Is that right? <laughs> you didn't hate to ask us twice man, no, that's it. Um, we got approached by Mark Lathway of Montaigne Lakeland 50 and 100 fame, that running festival that happens in July each year. If we would help do a wee bit of chat and to put some content out there for people who are doing it for the first time, want to find out anything about it, or have done it before, but just simply put some information out there. So Mark very kindly set us up with Emma Stewart, who was the winner of the Ladies 100 race last year, 2022. Um, And we had a chat with Emma. It wasn't hard. She's absolutely fantastic to speak to. Um, And we hope it's going to be the start of bigger things, because it it seems to have went doing really well. It's been quite popular. Yep. Um, and we really feel really, really privileged to have the opportunity to be getting that kind of audience. So thank you very much to Mark and the Montaigne folk for inviting us in. Absolutely. And you can, we, we've recorded it and it's up on a new YouTube channel called Access All Areas, Lakeland, 
Montaigne Lakeland 100. If you Google that on a YouTube search or whatever like that, you'll be able to find us. We encourage you to go and subscribe to that channel so you get notifications when we put new video casts, let's call them up there. John's been um, in hair and makeup, making sure that he looks um, radiant, which he did. And we've also put out this is just as a normal traditional podcast on our usual platforms as well. So you can consume it in a number of ways. Aye. And let us Ken what you think. Uh, please do feed it feedback to us. And if you're a new listener listening in, let us know what you think. And you've got all that wonderful back catalogue to go in. But we've we've got to get dressed up now, because we're gonna be in videos now, I mean. Can't I just sit here in my shabby gear, Stevie boy? I know. You can't just sit there in your buff buff worn around your waist is the only piece of clothing you've got on which is quite often the sight that i get to see so yeah it, it changes the dynamics somewhat definitely now now i might only wear my buff buff on the loving day mm-hmm. this year but well that the well we'll see what happens we'll see what happens right you're going to let... wear your buff buff in the buff <laughs> moving on Let's speak about our wonderful guest that we've got this week. Wonderful is an understatement, John. Um, we've got a, a treat this week. We like at this time of year, I think it's starting to become a bit of tradition to, to, to cover some of the stories that come out of the terrific spine race, which mm-hmm. is obviously just in the rear view mirror. And yeah. last week we had Daniel Bai, um, great chat with him on his Challenger, is that what? Spine, spine North, Spine Challenger race, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then this week we've got Alison Caldwell, Ali Caldwell, um, as she is better known, who has just completed the full spine race and was one of the dots that we were watching and egging on for the six and a bit days that she was out in the course. That seems ridiculous. Eh? Six and a bit days. There's but, a wee bit there's a wee bit in it where she talks about charging her watch every twenty hours. <laughs> it just blows your mind. Most folk charge their watch once a week and that's it. Because yeah. you're you you've only got your watch on a wee jog here and there. But um Ali is a it's a she's a it's quite a phenomenal story. Um she takes us on the journey, very humble but very articulate as well. And how she puts across her spine experience. Um, and I've, I've listened back to it when I was doing just the wee sort of edits on it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think I'm not there. I'm not quite there yet. But Ali has lit a wee fire within me about the spine race. What I once previously was thinking, no danger, I'm doing that. Some wee doors opened. So, and I think it's, it's Listen to Ali that's done that for me. Wow. I'm still not committing to doing the crazy no, thing. Well, first thing you'll hate today is set up a crowdfunder. <laughs> to, fund, to fund your effort and the procurement of all the gear that you need. But that, that's just the, the first step in the process. That's, um, I, I know how seeds can be planted in John's heads and, and, and they, they do quickly blossom, grow. Uh, but, I, but I think other people... So we warning, be prepared that by the end of listening to Ali Caldwell, you also might be thinking, I'll have some of that. Oh, talk of lasagna and Alston, I think, was the 
probably topic that that really perked up John's John's ears um, as 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 discussed. And I must say, um, we'll pass you over to our chat with Ali really in the next few seconds. But Ali started the show, but she's got a supporting cast headed up by Alan, who gets a get few menshies as well. Most definitely, everybody needs an Alan. Who's your Alan? Big welcome to the Young Hearts Run Free podcast. Ali, how are we doing tonight? Yeah, good, thanks. Fantastic. Thank you very much for taking time to join John and I. We have um, got lots and lots to talk about. Stuff that is quite recent in your history. And we also like to find out a wee bit more as to how you got into this running caper, as we call it. And, And that's where we start we always just like to find out a wee bit more about our guests and what brought them into the world of running and running these distances that we now class as normal <laughs> yeah so um, I don't think when I first started running I ever expected that I'd be running these silly distances um, but it just kind of grew grew out of nowhere Um so when I went to uni, um, as probably everyone does, I quite enjoyed the party lifestyle and probably put on a wee bit, a wee bit of weight. So in my third year at uni, started going to the gym and started going to spin classes, did a little bit of mountain biking with my dad. And then one day when I was on Facebook, I saw that someone that I went to school with had entered Edinburgh Marathon. And I thought, well, if they can do it, maybe I can do it. So I entered Edinburgh Marathon and started training. During training, I unfortunately fractured my hip. So I got a stress fracture of my hip. Um, and I'm probably going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. But I think at the moment, Red S is quite well known in the running industry, which is um, relative energy deficiency syndrome. And I think a lot of girls and boys tend to get stress fractures if they've been diagnosed with this. But I think what's missed is also the impact that hormones can have in girls. So when I was 13 and started getting my period, I had what the doctor termed as problematic periods, which basically means that they don't want to do any tests and they just want to give you some some drugs to kind of deal with your complaints, basically. Um, They tried a couple of different drugs. And when I was 16, they put me on a thing called the contraceptive injection and they put me on that to stop my periods. So it was great, stopped my periods, stopped all the kind of illnesses I had every month and I felt great. But after five years, when I took up running, I had this stress fracture. And it was only at this point that they discovered that the medication they'd given me had actually caused me to get osteoporosis. So at 21, I was diagnosed with osteoporosis. So that very kind of early start to running was quickly stopped. And I took uh, probably about eight or nine months out of running, got into cycling a bit more which was um, exciting, but couldn't run because of this hip fracture. And then once they kind of got that under control, my fracture had healed. They did some tests and diagnosed me with endometriosis, which is a condition that some females have um, to do with their like menstruation. And that was the cause of my problematic periods, as the GP had termed it. Um, so I'm quite lucky now that it's it's well controlled. Um, I do still have osteoporosis, but I've not had any hip fracture since I was 21. But coming back from that tangent, after my eight or nine months off um, getting better, um, I moved down to Southampton to start a PhD. And at that point, I decided I wanted to start running again. 
Um, for a year down there, I was just running on my own. And then I thought I should probably join a running club, meet some people, make some friends. So I joined a local running club called Lord's Hill Road Runners. And then my kind of love for long distance stemmed from there. So I entered my first marathon in the October. And then after that, someone dared me to do this 82 mile run. <laughs> so my first ultra was actually an 82 mile run on the Jurassic Coast. Um, the person that dared me, they were in the army and they had a friend who'd attempted it and not managed to finish it. So they thought it was a pretty impossible race. So me being the um, little stubborn thing that I am thought, I'm entering it and I'm finishing it. And then, yeah, that, that's where it all grew from there, basically. So that's wow. my kind of story and tangent. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know where to start, John. That is, um, yeah. One thing before we get tore right into all that, the yeah. university <laughs> life's got a hell of a lot to blame. Well, no, I was going to say to blame for the <laughs> amount of ultra runners who have been born out of overindulgence at university is quite incredible it's a recurrent theme on the the podcast and um, <laughs> yeah it's almost like a, a a weird byproduct of going to university that is actually um, stoking the fires of future <laughs> ultra runners across the globe but anyway yeah i away from that there's you covered a hell of a lot there first wait thank you very much for sharing all that because there was words that you used there that i was nodding away with pretending that i knew what they were and in reality <laughs> i'm going i'm googling like a i'm googling away like a <laughs> madman you know just to, to try and try and get a handle on it but i was i was i was i was all, I, was, I think i did all right i just want to put a bit of context in what what year this is so your first marathon that you spoke of you said october what october what october 2000 and very good question it was about I think it was about seven years ago that I did my first ultra so what are we in now 2023 so uh, so it was probably 2015 I think I think don't don't quote me on that but I think it was 2015 which would probably make sense because I moved down to Southampton in 2014 so listen I've got my first marathon like tattooed on my brain like I can rattle it off my whole cv you'll hate to get better at that I'm like that oh just i can reel it off like it nobody's business um so no i just wanted to kind of figure figure that out just in in terms of your your running evolution um but those early um issues um, i'm sure you touched on stuff there that a lot of other females will be nodding away at um in terms of you know the doctor no quite dealing with it maybe as thoroughly as um and there's an, a, an easy thing that they can do to prescribe a course of medication that doesn't solve the problem but it solves it temporarily but that long-term effects that it's had um you know being diagnosed with osteoporosis at 21 year old um and then being able to then move on from that successfully obviously as we'll we'll get to speak about um but did that I suppose you took it you said you took an eight nine month break from running um yeah you jump, you jump on the bike and stuff were you able just to then start running and building up your mileage again quite normally after that yeah I mean it, it's quite funny because they, they took so long I think they took something like three months to diagnose the hip fracture as well so right. I, I was still running with it so I remember at first they were like oh it's probably just like muscle issues just keep running it off 
Uh-huh. And I remember I'd, I'd just been for a, a half marathon run and I was feeling great. And then the physio phoned me literally a couple of hours later once I finished. She's like, we've got the results back from your MRI. You've got a big stress fracture across the, the neck of the femur. So basically the, the hip bone um, stopped running immediately. And I was like, <laughs> oh, but I just went for a really good half marathon. I was like, I'm, fe- I'm feeling really good. She's like, no, you need, you need to stop immediately. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think the, the consultant kind of used a bit of scare tactics. And he said to me, you know, if, if you keep running on that hip, you'll be in surgery getting it pinned back together. So I was a bit like, okay. And I think at the time, because I'd only just started running, it didn't, you know, it didn't mean that much to me. Whereas now if someone told me I had to take eight or nine months off from running, I'd be gutted. Why? I think, I think I'd have to get locked in the house. Like I don't think I'd be able to, um, yeah, contain myself. Get away from people. Can I yeah. say, Ali mentioned dreads. Um, instantly I thought about Rene McGregor. And it's our, it's actually our most listened to episode, season six, episode four. Rini speaks about Reds, and she's also very open for people to contact her. She said that with any questions they might have. So thank you very much for being so open about that, Ali. Um, absolutely fantastic that 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 you've you've shared that with us. Um, had another question. I think it's so- On you go, sorry. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think it's something that's quite often missed, you know, like it is quite, I don't want to say common now, but it, it's more kind of in the press now about, you know, female and male athletes, but uh, female athletes getting stress fractures. And I think immediately it, the kind of people think of oh, red S, but I think it's also important to know the implications that just mm. just hormones, hormones can have on you. I mean, a, a lot of a lot of girls are on the pill. A lot of girls, you know, don't don't get periods. And I think a lot of people don't know like the impact that can have on you like it might not necessarily be that you're not feeling properly it, it could be some other sort of underlying issue as well mm-hmm. and that's a lot of what you've just said there is what Rini speaks about Rini, Rini worked with a British team Commonwealth Games and Olympics all that she was talking about athletes specifically but also saying that it's this can affect everybody you know, so male and female. So it is uh, for people listening in. It's certainly worth going back and listening to that one if you haven't, if you haven't already. So, where are you on the planet just now, Ali? On the planet? Um, yep. I, don't, I don't really know. I don't know what planet I'm on after this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I'm out in I'm out in Wallyford, which is in East Lothian in Scotland. Right. Okay. So. Wallyford, Southampton. What a space in between there. What's your Who's your favourite place to run? So I was actually thinking about this, and I was struggling to come up with an answer until I was on tonight's run. Um, so tonight I went out with my dog, and I did our favourite route, and I was like, why was it obvious that this is the answer? So we were out at um, John Muir Country Park, um, and right. so. The kind of the John Muir Way in East Lothian is kind of my staple route for a long run. Uh, but John Muir Country Park is is great for taking the dog to, especially at night when it's dark. You know, you're running on the beach, through the woods, head torch, just me and him. 
Um, sometimes we go out with my dog. So my dog's called Rocco, and his best friend is Nicola Duncan, who I'm sure you all you all know. Speedy <laughs> Nicola um, is, is Rocco's best friend, so he loves to go to John Muir Country Park with Nicola. Um, Nicola brings her dog Turbo, and the idea was that Rocco and Turbo would be friends, but Rocco seems to be more obsessed with Nicola. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so we often go out to the John Muir John Muir Country Park for runs, and it's just it's just fantastic. So. Very close to home, but it's probably my favourite place. Oh, it's, it's good. And John um, loves running in the dark. Um, regular listeners will know that, that he's a big fan of running, especially in the woods, in the dark, when it gets a bit creepy and you see eyes and everything sort of looking back at you from through the, <laughs> from through the trees. I'm sure I'm actually getting goosebumps thinking about it, honestly. But you're, you're shit scared. Well, that too. But I thought goosebumps maybe sounded a wee bit better. <laughs> but but you know what? But thank you again for sharing that and also for allowing us to speak about the John Muir Way because it goes from coast to coast. We spoke with um, James Stewart who did his he did an FKT on the on the um, the the John Muir Way, and it might be a trail that a lot of folk maybe aren't aware of. So go and check it out. You know, yeah, you're not going to do the full thing. You can Ultra patch it coming up. coming up next month, isn't it? The, yeah, the John, John Muir Ultra. Yeah, which yeah, it's a I think must, must must go through that neck of the woods. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. so lovely bit. I always remember, and we were doing it at Loch Lomond, and there's a bit where the that crosses John Muir Way. So you're coming away from Loch Lomond, and you see the wee, you, know, you get the wee markers on the wee, the wee posts, John Muir Way, and yes, well, I just feel drawn. Let's just go there, you know. <laughs> but uh, said that while she was running the West Highland Way. <laughs> like I could just take a right here and, and, and yeah. go on a different trajectory entirely. Brilliant, brilliant. So I'm also I'm interested. The person that challenged you to the 82 mile race, what was yeah. their com- what was their comment when you informed them that you had completed it? Well, they actually they attempted it as well and they DNF'd. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, so. I think um, I was I was going to not swear on this podcast, but I think they said you're fucking nuts when I got to the finish line. <laughs> and I think that's when I was hooked. I was like, do you know what? I am nuts. So I'm going to do this again. You took that as a um, biggest compliment. Yeah, yeah. It was the worst thing you say to me. <laughs> so I, I take from somebody challenging you to do any. What, what was your previous distance prior to 82 miles? Uh, so I'd only done one marathon um but then during training i did i think two 30 mile runs um right. just along like checking out the course but yeah so the furthest i'd done previous to that was 30 miles oh that's some jump so it sounds like didn't you say ali a challenge because she's going to do it as a sort of mindset yeah, you've got, eh? i'm trying right. to think of one just now it brings us on it brings us on perfectly to speak about the spine race actually let's call it the winter spine race because there's a bit of a difference right but before we speak about the um the actual outing and the adventure what pricked your interest in that so i've been dot watching it for a few years uh, probably about four or five years and um, I, I cry quite a lot so I would always be sitting watching videos of people finishing crying for these strangers that had finished and I'd always thought like I, I want to be one of those people um, and then 
At the start of last year, um, I was going through quite a tough time in the job that I was working. Um, and I just accepted another job. Um, I'd handed in my notice and I was kind of feeling like I was starting to be back to be myself again. So I thought, right, I think I'm up for this challenge. You know, I want to test myself. Um, so I thought I'll enter the spine. And I think most people kind of said to me, oh, why don't you do the summer one first? Or why don't you do one of their shorter distances? And I was like, I know I want to do the winter spine. So why would I go and do the summer one or a shorter distance on the trail and terrify myself and know what lies ahead? Like, why don't I just go do it and get it done? So, yeah, so that's that's what I did. <laughs> Brilliant. That dog, that, dog, that dog watching can be dangerous stuff, you know. We all get sucked yeah. into that and it's brilliant. Well, we were watching your dog this year and we'll speak more about that. Um, but, yeah, it's... It's fascinating. I'm also very much aware that where we are just now, we're only in, still in the first week in February, and it's almost like the running season has been unleashed over the last few weeks. You know, we've had the spine, we've had the arc of attrition, and then just last weekend there was loads of stuff uh, happening as well. But the spine itself, actually, today we're recording this on the 6th of February. The winter races went up for registration today website crashed just yeah. at the time where i was going to put my entry in so hey ho never mind um so what the good I, news john is, is that they're actually they're, they're opening it back up um i think it's tomorrow and they've guaranteed 100 at least 100 places in each race so you've you've actually not missed out so if you, sorry if you you're, you're, you're breaking up ali you're breaking up okay <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut that bit um so but you know how how easy how difficult is it to get a place in the spine race? I think it's quite difficult now. Um, I remember when I entered, I think places went live at midday and I just so happened to have my bank card sitting in front of me and the, and the <laughs> website open. And I kind of said to myself, I was, I was like, if I'm quick enough to get a place, then it's obviously meant to be. And unfortunately, I was quick enough to get a place. So <laughs> They're putting in that three-digit code slow as anything. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, press. All right, hopefully we'll get this. Oh shit, I've got it. Oh well, done now. I'm in. Yeah. And you have to show that you've got the necessary attributes to finish it. Yeah. Do you have to put in your sort of bit of your running histories? Yeah, you have to put in some races, and I think possibly some navigation experience as well. Um. I'm, I'm I'm not quite sure if I had valid experience. Did you actually lie about that, John? Would you? Well, I I done you know I I done big races, but you know what it's like. I mean, with the way technology is now, you know you yes. you've got the maps on your wrist, so. Um, That's it. Uh, navigation courses can be um, undertaken quite quickly. Yeah. Uh, like five minutes on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you got in, you got your place. Now, we do yeah. know from speaking to previous guests, there's a healthy mandatory kit list, isn't there? You, Very healthy, yes. Did you, did, did you have all that or did you have to start Google? Um, there was a lot of um, requests for very special Christmas presents put in. Um, I think my mum my was thrilled when I asked her to buy me a poo shovel for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Part of my stocking fillers. 
And then I think the, the only thing I didn't purchase was the handheld GPS. Um, I borrowed one from someone at uh, the running club because for me, it, it's not something that I'll use regularly. So it wasn't something that I wanted to spend a lot of money on, but I knew that I wanted a good one for, for the event. So luckily I managed to um, borrow one from someone at the running club. But apart from that, yeah, everything everything was purchased. Uh, so do you have to provide your own GPS tracker? Um, no, sorry, you have to, ha- so you're not allowed to use like your Garmin wrist mounted for navigation. You have to buy a handheld GPS for uh, navigation. I'm with you. I'm with yeah, you. So I'm with that, you. Okay. Yeah. And questions are flooding through my brain right now. <laughs> Reckies, did you get your foot on the route beforehand? Never been on the Pennine Way. I, I sometimes, both, that can be a, a good thing. You're almost saying, do you know what? Everything's going to be new. I was calling it a blessing, guys, uh, because yeah, when I arrived down on the Saturday, so I stayed in a I stayed in the youth hostel with and stayed in a bunk with a couple of guys, and you know some of them were sitting there going, oh I hate Crossfell or I hate this or I hate that, and I was like, well at least I don't have those negative thoughts because I don't know what to expect. <laughs> so I, I can't you know I can't leave a checkpoint and think oh no I hate this section because I don't know what the section is. So brilliant. I didn't hate anything. That's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> 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 ah, brilliant. So li- listen, let's pick our way let's pick our way through this. What was your expectations yeah. on the start line? To be shitting myself. <laughs> um but like it it's quite it's quite funny because in, in my head I felt like I knew I was gonna make it to Kirk Yetum. I knew that unless there was a bit of my body hanging off and I got dragged off the course. I knew that I was determined enough to make it to Kirk Yetum. But I also knew that that meant that I was going to go to some really dark places and that I was going to have to kind of suck it up and get through them. So I think my expectation was really just to kind of ride the highs, try and enjoy as much of it as I could, but accept that there was going to be some pretty rubbish points and that I just had to get through them. That You've, you've already made made peace already with the fact that you're going to be feeling like you're in that state of purgatory that um, yeah. okay I'm here I've arrived and I knew I knew this would happen but when you're in those moments because I'm sure there would have been a few where you were questioning your life choices um, <laughs> yeah. once or twice what what's your coping tactics for getting out of the trough so to speak uh, so at the start of the race, I turned off the data on my phone. So I didn't want to go into aeroplane mode because I knew that, you know, for safety reasons, people should still be able to phone you. So I thought, right, I'll switch off the data. So it meant that nobody could message me. Nobody could send me anything. But then when I hit a low point, I would then turn the data on and I would have like messages from Alan, my partner or my friends or stuff like that. And it was only after a couple of days that I realised like, how much momentum it had taken in my running club as well like I wasn't expecting the kind of amount of support that I got but you know I was putting on my phone and I was getting messages from like random people you know messages from people I'd I'd never even met before Um, so I think whenever I hit a low point turning my date on and just seeing these random messages was enough to to give you a kick up the backside to think right this person you've never met before is is following your dot so get your shit together and get moving and that for me was 
kind of enough. There was also the um, putting one song on repeat for hours on end that would make me kind of move along, which I'll, pro- I'll probably get to later on when you ask me for a song for the playlist. Mm. But I am known Don't for my obsession. <laughs> I want to know what that song is. Just before John's wanting to come in, I can tell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. Oh, I was just going, I-, I love the idea of turning data on as a treat. You know, it's almost a, yeah. a, 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 something to look forward to. Um, some people will save music for that moment. Do you know what I mean? But like, yeah. I've never thought, okay, I'd hate to turn it on and you haven't got a signal. I'd be like, oh no, <laughs> that was my treat. <laughs> I'd have to actually watch, right? I'm turning it on when I've got a signal. But anyway, <laughs> I, 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 I like that one. John, go. I, I just want to ask, were you aware that the whole of Scotland was watching your dog? Pretty much. No. No. You know, because that's the thing. We're on the outside looking in, you know, um, seeing social media, and yeah, you were um, you were all you were back of the pack, right? That's that's the period you were. Everybody gets obsessed with the folk up the front, right? And that's where all the of these tweeting about. But then there became this thing that I was aware of. Ali Caldwell's still there. She's rocking and rolling up the Pennine Way. And it, it seemed to grow and grow and grow. And I just wondered if you were aware that that was happening. Yeah, see, I don't think, like, I'm a, I don't want to say I'm a nobody, but, I mean, I am. You know, you've got people like, you know, De- Debbie's done it before. This year you had Eddie Sutton. You had people like Alison Walker. Um, yeah, you had loads of people, you know, Damien, Damien Hall. You've got your usual Eugenie, your Ian Keith. You've got all these big people that, you know, I, I, to me, I was a nobody, and like I didn't expect it to, yeah, to take off like it did. I mean, um, Alan, he, my partner, he he loves a good podcast, and he'll he'll invest in anyone. And I didn't realise until a few days into the spine, he started making these Facebook videos to update everyone, and like it just got so much momentum. Like when I finished, I was actually a bit overwhelmed by it all because I was like, you know, who who are all these people? And um. A few months after I'd entered the race, I decided to raise money for charity. You know, and I, I never all the running events I do, I, I do it for fun. You know, I don't I don't pester people for money. I'm doing I'm doing it because I enjoy it. But I thought the spine is something I'm going to say I'm never going to do again. But don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, I thought I want I want to raise money for charity, and I'd set my t- myself the target of 268 quid. You know, 268 miles. I'll, I'll get 268 quid. And when I finished the spine, it was up to almost 1,600. And to me, I was just like, you know, again, there was people that I don't know that were donating. And it was just, it was slightly overwhelming. But at the same time, it was it was so nice to see. And a couple of people from the running club said to me after, you know, it, it really brought the running club together. It, it, it gave them all something to focus on that week. And everyone was like, you know, getting behind my dot and shouting my dot. At Wednesday night training, they'd all recorded a video and sent it to me shouting, come on, Ali, keep going. And yeah just just stuff like that like and, and even even being on here I mean I again I, I'm a nobody I was like eh, why why would people want to listen to me on a podcast you know as as you said you know I was I was a back back of the pack dot just wanted to finish nobody knows who I am so you do now. yeah <laughs> you, you know who you are now um I love you know what I, you're not a no you're not a nobody by any stretch and I think what you are is a an ordinary human being doing extraordinary things. And that's what I think 
sums up the people who put themselves forward to toe the line at the start of the spine race. But as we know, not everybody gets to that finish line. Ali Caldwell did. So congratulations on doing that. Can we speak a wee bit about the conditions on the course? Well, further, Stephen and I were immersed in all the dot watching and the videos and all that sort of stuff. And it looked feckin' hellish out there. What was it like? It's the winter spine, isn't it? If you don't get hellish wet weather, have you really done the winter spine? I mean, right. for me, like, I'd, I'd spent a lot of time researching kit and picking good kit. Um, I messaged Ian Keith a, a few weeks before the, the race and said, what is that waterproof that you're always raving about? And <laughs> I, I bought that waterproof. Um, and I'm quite lucky Alan, his clothes fit me. My parents' clothes fit me. They're both really active as well. So so I'm just saying to them, I'm like, I said to Alan, I was like, you know that really good maintain jumper that you've got? I need it for this fine. I'm saying to my mum, I was like, I've got a couple of down jackets packed, but can you give me your ones as well, just in case mine get wet? So, I mean, I had all I had all the kit there. Alan, bless him, had bought himself these these new, um, they're, they're almost like, they're not down. They're like the, the better version of down, but they're trousers from Maintain. And I'd never seen them before. And he unpacked them in the car like two days before I went away to the spine, fresh out the packet. And I went, I need them for the spine <laughs> because I was like, it's going to be cold. So so I need them. And I was like, if I damage them, I'll buy you a new pair. But I was like, they, they're getting me. And to be fair, I wore them for something like the last four days of the spine because it was so cold. And so I mean, did he buy them for you? No, absolutely not. They were for him. <laughs> He had no intention of, but he should have opened them in front of me. He should have hidden them. Well, that was just, yeah, that was just teasing. I oh, love Alan. one outcome. <laughs> he would have done it. He knew exactly what he was doing. Aye, you, Alan. Alan's my kind of guy. You know, it's, I fancy a pair of the trousers myself, just for cutting too. my boot in. Oh, you good one. <laughs> Maybe get them on the sale now the spine's finished. Aye, I wonder if they come as shorts. Anyway, sorry, we're, di- we're digressing. But we were hearing about, you obviously get the, the hail and the snow and the rain, but we're hearing lots of ice underfoot as well, which can make it really tricky. How was that? I think I fell four or five times. Um, and I'm, I'm probably going to get in trouble from Lindley, the guy who's in charge of the kit, when I say this, but I didn't put my um, ice spikes on. <laughs> Everyone else put their ice spikes on. It was the conditions that I should be wearing my ice spikes, but I felt I felt fine, you know. I was I was using my poles, I was sliding a bit, but I wasn't going fast enough that you would really hurt yourself. Um, there was only one time, actually no, there was two two falls that hurt. So one of them, I was running downhill and fell asleep while I was running, and then slipped on some ice and woke up to falling on said ice and hurting my knee. And then there was another time where I, I slid. And just the way I landed, I hit my elbow, my knee. Um, but when I hurt my knee, I think we were about 140 miles into the race. And I was a bit like, well, if I'm 140 miles into a race and all it's hurting is my knee, then I'm doing pretty well. So I kind of just thought I just need to to manage it and, and move on. So I figured that if I stepped up using my right knee and then stepped down using my left leg, it didn't hurt as much. So I just had to manage what, what leg I was leading with when I was going up and what leg I was leading with when I was going down. Um, and it's it's fine now. So, yeah, so it was, it was it was very icy. But it was also good for the bogs because there were pretty much no bogs because everything was frozen. 
Um, apart from the Cheviots, I fell into one bog 10 miles from the finish where I managed to just go through the snow and break through the ice. But apart from that, I think we got off pretty lightly in terms of bogs. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. He's got, at least you got one bog experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to make sure you were getting your money's worth. I think that's kicked off your list of yeah. things that happen on the spine. Um, yeah, it was, there was some, because you get, you consume a lot of photographs and videos of the spine you know whilst you're dot watching you're trying to like look at on social media and you're just like yes this is much better than actual my day job <laughs> which is <you'd> be concentrating <laughs> on you know it's just a bit of a, a side distraction i think adrian stott had um, said as much <laughs> to a few people it's like i'm like, you know what? i'm just loving watching these dots and then you check back in in the afternoon and say oh man they've, they've been efficient they've covered four miles you know <laughs> <laughs> in four hours <laughs> that, that, that's pretty good going um, and, and stuff um but i, I where, where was it going with that i've lost my thread john i've <laughs> lost my thread I, entirely i don't know i was just, I, I was i was getting taken right back to the dot watching because i was sitting oh. well i love the book you didn't even have to refresh the screen because it just does it it just does oh, it itself it's brilliant so five. i just had it pretty much had it either on a screen, on a computer, or on my phone, the the phone app is is really good as well, you know. So, and it's did brilliant. you go through that? Did you go through that Alston? Yeah, Alston. Alston lasagna. lasagna. Home of the lasagna. That's what I said when I got there. He was like, "Welcome to Alston." I was like, "Lasagna place," and he was like, "Yep." Yeah. Uh, we want a, a a TripAdvisor review of the Alston lasagna station. What did you sample it? So I had the vegetarian option and I had two plates to confirm that, that my first opinion was correct. Um, and it was, it, was, it was very good, very good. I would have probably had a third plate, but I thought I should probably have a, a little kip. I should probably prioritise a, a wee bit of sleep as well. So I think two plates is a good balance. It's a good yeah. it's a good score, I'd say. We're, we're proud of you. Um, <laughs> Thanks. And, and actually... Probably one of the one of the main reasons for having you on, Ali, was to get that review about the Austin lasagna. It's something that Steve and I have thought about quite a lot. It's probably um, the only thing that's tempted me to go and do the spine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though, Austin, Austin is quite a wee bit on though, because you're coming towards yeah. the, the sort of last third or the last quarter of the race there. But prior to that, were were you aware of what day it was? Because there's a lot of dark, isn't there? It's the winter time. Were you aware of what day it was, your progress? Was there any sections between checkpoints more challenging than others for you? To be honest, no. Um, I didn't really know. I didn't even know where I was half the time. I would say to people, I'd be like, are we, are we into the Yorkshire, like Yorkshire area yet? Or, or where are we? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, we're in it for a wee while yet. And I'd be like, okay. Um, and then I thought, oh, went to the Cheviots now. Okay, so I, I mean, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't really aware of where I was, what day it was. I was more just aware of the mileage to the next checkpoint or the mileage to the next food or whatever, and how long I had to get there. And that was kind of my only focus for me. Day, what time of day, wh- whatever was irrelevant. It was just about getting to the next stop. Mm-hmm. At any point, did you think sack this? No. <laughs> It's funny actually because there was one checkpoint I was crying at and the guy was like, So what are we gonna do? Are you want to withdraw? And I was like, What? 
But it was, that's, that's, not, that's not an option. I'm just having a little cry. Like, I'll have a little cry and then I'll go and I'll get over it. But no, um, I don't think uh, I would have been allowed to come home if I'd sacked it. <laughs> because a lot of people did and do sack yeah. these kind of challenges. Now, there was a high DNA for it. Aye, very much. Let's go back and speak about Alan's trousers and the rest of the kit. How did your how did your kit hold up in the conditions? Were you happy with it? Yeah, I was I was delighted with it all. I had a couple of um well I had I know I had one trailside bivy for an hour and I woke up and I wasn't cold. Um I was I was warm the whole time. At no point was I cold. You know, if I started to feel cold, I put on another layer, and I was I was perfect. There's a there's a photo of me in up at I think it was at Greg's hut where I'm just like covered in ice, and everyone's like, "Oh, were you cold?" And I was like, "No, I was toasty. Like I was I was still really warm." So I I, I nailed the kit. Really happy with the kit. Um, head torch was great. It would last one battery would last the full sixteen hours or whatever of dark, and then I would just put a, a new battery in it. So it was really good. Head torch, um, what, what, what head torch? Oh, no, I was hoping I'd have it here. She's, she's oh, now I scouting about looking for it. I don't it's even so know. Okay. She has to take my hat, no, I, I, entirely. But that's yeah. okay. We'll, we'll cut it out. We'll just say. Yeah. <laughs> or you can update us later and we can mention it later. We can do that. Aye, aye. Yeah. It is a really good head torch. What else? It all packed down quite small. So I had a 20 litre rucksack with me. I started off just with the 20 litre rucksack, but within the first leg, um, my back was getting, like my, my shoulders and neck were getting quite sore. And I had a, the maintained gecko waist belt in my drop bag. So I thought, right, when I get to the first drop bag checkpoint, I'll take all my food out and put it into the waist belt to take the weight, a bit of weight off my back. And that was grand. Um, so I had the waist belt on the rest, the rest of it as well. Yeah, nothing, nothing kind of failed me. Sorry, I, I need to jump in. Maintain gecko waist belt. That's not a race vest, that's a belt. Yeah, so they do. So I had the maintain gecko 20 litre rucksack, and then mm-hmm. they've got a waist belt as well. Is it the maintain gecko 5 or something like that? It's called, and it's a, it's a waist pack. Yeah, it was great. I could fit all my food because you've got to start with 3,000 calories worth of food. And because I don't, a lot of people took like the, the dry food with them, but I knew I wouldn't eat that. And I was like, I could do that to make it lighter, but at the end of the day, I need food with me. Aye. So I ended up quite heavy, but I put, managed to get all my food in the waste pack, and that was great. That's taking the weight off your shoulders and put it on your hips, which yeah. Yeah. I know I much prefer that as well. That seemed a really good tactical move for you. Well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the gecko waste belt, is that one of these like really stretchy things that you can fit loads in? Um, the The... The pouch that the food stuff goes into, it's not stretchy. The the bit that goes around your waist is stretchy, so you can adjust for your waist, but you can't adjust the actual the, the size of the pack. Right. Okay. Okay. But and, a nice compliment to your twenty liter gecko race vest, yeah. and then five liter capacity in your waist belt, it's a hydration belt thing, isn't it? I've seen them. Um, I've, I've got my eye on one myself, so that's a a good review from a spiner. Yeah, and it's also a, is that what you call people who do the spine? Spine, isn't it? It is now. Because, oh, they're definitely legends. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a. But we've also just just about a perfect segue into food. Talking mm. about putting your food in your belt and talking about Alston lasagna. 
Actually, no, no talking about the Alston lasagna. What did Ali Caldwell take to to sustain and recharge herself with on the spine? So usually during 100 milers, I'm really bad at eating. So a lot of the time I take all my calories through drinks like Tailwind, Coke. I will manage to eat a bit. Um, and then in November, I did a race called Copthorne 100, um, which is it's 10 laps of Box Hill. Um, I would I would claim that it's probably the hardest 100 miler in the UK. As someone who's DNF'd at the Ark, I can make that claim. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. And I practice feeding there because it's 10 mile laps. You get access to your drop bag every 10 miles. Mm -hmm. So I had a selection of food in there and I kind of tested out a lot of food. And at the end of it, I'd done well with my food, but I'd had quite a lot of gels. And I was like, I can't I can't cope on the spine with gels. Um, but I spoke to Lindley, who was who was there and he was like, don't worry, you get a lot of good meals at the spine. And he said, you've got more time. You can you can sit down and you can eat your food. So I took I only took a few gels to stop myself from taking too many gels. I thought I'll have some gels in case I need an emergency kick, but otherwise I need to stick to, to solid food. Um and I went into an outdoor shop, um, a local outdoor shop, uh just before Christmas. And when I was in there, I was I was picking up a couple other things for the spine, and then I spotted these flapjacks. And they're flapjacks that I used to have when I was having a really bad day during my PhD. So they're by a company in Dorset. And they're the best flapjacks you'll ever have. So when I came across them in this outdoor shop, I was like, this is this is fate. So they're like probably about 600 calories per flapjack, but they're just proper big solid ones. You get like white chocolate ones, whatever. So I had quite a lot of them with me. Um, and then just eating whatever I was given at the checkpoints. I would just make mm. sure, give me, a, give me a plate of food and I'll just make sure I, I ate it. Um, at one low point, asked for toast and someone gave me toast and I felt like a new woman so after that every checkpoint I was like can I get a couple of slices of toast as well please so at, at, at minimum I was having some toast and a big glass of juice at every checkpoint I don't drink tea or coffee um so it was just juice for me and yeah I mean the, the food that you get at the spine is is fantastic um not just the lasagna but there was the last the last checkpoint before you go over the cheviots can't remember what it's called it's the one that's got the 30 minute time limit um and they gave me this fantastic it must be like an apple crumble or something like that and it was smothered in custard and I went into this checkpoint sobbing and they gave me this bowl of food and they were like eat it and oh, it was heaven it was a bowl of heaven <laughs> again I felt like a new woman so I think it's just yeah just whatever food they gave me I ate basically about that even that though not being not not being turned off by whatever food they give you is a is a skill. I was definitely I'm assuming you say juice, you're talking diluting juice. Yeah, diluting. Aye. Although they don't know what that is. You can't go in and ask for diluting juice. Wash. Wash. Brilliant. Brilliant. Diluting. I love that bowl of heaven. Aye, brilliant. And the power of toast. Toast is brilliant. What's your yeah. favourite we've never spoke about toast a lot. What's your you like now, some folk like their toast a wee bit cool. I like it warm with lashings of butter. What's your preferred toast serving? I like it warm with lashings of butter, but I don't like it too toasted. Ah, like, like, like so a, there's a scale, isn't there? A one and I, a half I, of the toasty, I, the toastometer, one and a half. I, I, the toastometer, you just, you just invented that. That's brilliant. 
<laughs> you know, because that's like one's a minute, isn't it? Two's mm-hmm. two minutes, three's three minutes. So, but a minute and a half in the toastometer. That'll be a revelation <laughs> for some people, Stephen. What? Aye, some people didn't know that about the, the one to six on the toaster. That'll be the same people who didn't call the end or oh, a loaf of bread a heel. Aye, and That's they caught squash. Any caught juice squash diluting. Right. Okay, lightly toasted Any. lashings of butter. Yep. Yeah. A wee bit of raspberry jam. Oh. No. Okay. Okay. We didn't have to Sorry, that was good. You ruined it. But the the main thing is the main thing is you were fueling yourself well with whatever you had. Can you give me the name of the flapjacks? Um, it's it's literally the Dorset Dorset Flapjack Company. Okay. John's busy writing away. You might notice, Ali. He's scribbling ferociously. And actually, actually, I recommended these flapjacks to Nicola Duncan, and she took them to Ark of Attrition. So you know, it's not just you know back of the pack runners that, that enjoy these flapjacks. Wow. Your your pocket rockets like Nicola that enjoy them too. They stood turn good. They stood turn good stead. So there you go. You're like an, an, a run fluencer. <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. That's all. It's all the place. Dorset flapjacks. Now we'll get a deal with them next week. <laughs> Fingers so, crossed. Well, listen, we're now going to go forward a wee bit. Eh? My, my my question is, this one is, when you, your aim was to go and finish this thing, right? Was there a moment that you thought, I'm going to do this, and how did that moment feel? Um, I think when I left the last checkpoint, so I think I left the last checkpoint, I got there something like, was it four hours before the cutoff or something like that? But mm-hmm. I thought I need I need to have a, have a good sleep. I was falling asleep while running quite a lot. So I was like, I need to, you know, have a good sleep. And I think I maybe left something like an hour before the cutoff, but I was still moving. I surprised myself with how, how well I felt moving wise. Like when I was moving, there was nothing apart from my knee niggle from falling there was nothing that I was like you know this is really bad you know my feet are going to fall off or something like that so when I left there Lindley was there and then there was this uh, one of the volunteers Viv who was on the the SST team so that's like the the safety team that kind of watched the back of the pack runners you know just they're, I think they're spy on you quite a lot they're, they're hiding in woods spying <laughs> down on the back of the pack runners and stuff uh, so I'd seen her a couple of times out on course and I was shouting to all them as I left, see you and Kurt Beatum, because I was just kind of so so positive and determined. I was like, I'm going I'm going to get there now. And I think after that, like every so often I would burst out crying and be like, I can't believe I'm going to finish this thing. Um, as I said, I, do, I, I like to cry quite a lot, particularly when I'm sleep deprived. <laughs> so yeah, I think the, the full kind of last section, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Nailed it. Fantastic. Fantastic. And on it's just get I can't get I've done races and you know you're going to do it and it's just an amazing feeling but this is an extraordinary distance and probably the most challenging conditions that you get in the UK you know sorry the the know the last checkpoint but is it Greg's hut where's that on the route Greg's hut is up Crossfell so that's that's quite a bit before the last checkpoint is it okay it's yeah, just one of these it, famous spots uh, that you always hear of. Yeah, no, it, it, there, is, there, it, is there almost, a, a, between the last checkpoint and Kirk is there a, some sort of bit that you go through, it's almost like a couple of hours to the finish for here? Yeah, 
So you've got you've got the last checkpoint that you get your drop bag at, and then you've got like a I don't know what they call them, like an intermediate checkpoint or something like that, which is one of the ones where you're only allowed to be in it for 30 minutes. You oh. don't get access to your drop bag, but they're just kind of checking that you're okay. So there's one of them just before you hit the Cheviots. So that is a marathon to go, which, you know, if if you were on road terms on fresh legs, it's probably about four hours to go, but in the spine it's it's definitely not four hours to go. Um, but then once you get on the Cheviots, you've got hut one and hut two. That's the one. So, Hot yeah, I, I didn't go near it. Well, I, d- I did. I, I went past it, but they were trying to tempt me in, and I was like, nope, I need this to be over with. I am not stopping. And he was like, are you sure? Because at that point, that's when the weather had the weather had really turned. So actually, the descent into, down to Hut 2, I, I was actually really scared. So I'd, I'd stopped and sat down. There'd been massive snow drifts, and there was no trail. And I, I didn't, like, I, I knew where my Garmin was telling me to go, but I, I didn't know how to physically get down there safely. Right. Luckily, the, the guy behind me, Chris, caught up with me. And I said to him, I was like, Chris, I'm terrified. Like, how do I get down here? And he was like, don't worry, I'm mountain rescue. Just stay with me. And I was like, thank God. Because at that point, that actually, that that is the only point that I thought I might not finish it because I didn't know how I was going to get down there safely. And I thought I'm mm. going to need phone for help to get down here because I, I can't do it it was literally like every step you took you were just sliding forward and because at this point it was dark it looked like you were right beside the edge of the mountain basically so I was like I don't know how to get down here but Chris helped me down and then when we got to hut two I think he knew the mountain rescue team that were there so he was going in for a cuppa my feet were frozen I was like, it's seven miles to go. Like, I'm, I'm not going in to sit down. Like, it's not going to do me any good. I don't drink tea or coffee, so I'm not having a hot drink. I've got no dry socks left in my bag. I've gone through them all. Like, I just need to get to that bloody wall. Um, so I just I just went straight past there. But I think most people kind of stop in hut too to to gather themselves for the for the last bit. Really, Chris Smallman is that the lad? I don't know. There was there was two there was two Chris's. They were both um. friends. I just so, see there's a, there was a Chris who finished similar time to you, and I thought that maybe be the lad. Yeah, it's, it's, prob- it's probably him. I should, yeah. If it is the wrong Chris, apologies, the real Chris. Mm-hmm. The real Chris. Sorry. <laughs> but we all need a Chris, don't we? <laughs> oh, aye. We need a Chris and an Alan who gives you your breaks. So, anyway, um, <laughs> how now, all this. It sounds like you're very with it and making decisions, a conscious decision. I'm not, I don't drink tea or coffee. They have nothing for me in there. But <laughs> you're obviously, you're, are you are you sleep deprived at this time? How are you, how's your head? Yeah, so it's quite funny because, like, I was very sleep deprived and I kept, as I've said, I kept falling asleep on my feet, but I was still able to make really good decisions, which was a bit weird because they say that usually when people start to get sleep deprived, you know, they, they can't answer questions straightly or they kind of have like stupid thoughts or whatever. But I was still completely with it. But just every so often I'd be walking along and next thing I know I'd fallen asleep. Um, mm-hmm. So there'd be one point um, just before we hit the Cheviots where I was walking along um, with a guy called Tim and I fell asleep and... I came round to him grabbing me as I was falling into a ditch. And when you're fall, like it, sometimes the sleep on the spine felt really weird. It was like, I don't know if you've ever had anaesthetic, but it was like when you come round from anaesthetic and it's just a big black hole. It was like that. 
like the, the quality of sleep was fantastic. I've not slept like that for years. <laughs> um, but it was also it was also really, really weird. Like in one of the checkpoints, my alarm went off and I woke up and there was another girl sleeping in the room and she hadn't been there when I went into the room. But I'd been so out of it that I didn't even notice her coming up, coming into the room, climbing into the bunk above me. Like it was literally just every time I fell asleep, it was a black hole. I would love to sleep like that, but I'm not going to do two down sixty-eight miles on the Pennine Way to get a kip like that. Oh man. Okay, so let's let's bring the wall into our vision. What does that feel like? I know they had all the nice big arches and it was all lit up. What did it feel like when you? Oh, what time of day when, was it? Yeah. Sorry. Um, nine, nine, 9.20 or 9.40 p.m. It was before 10 p.m. because I was determined. I thought if I get Dark. there before 10 p.m., they can still make noise. But if I get there after 10 p.m., they might be asked to be quiet for like the, the local villagers. So I was oh. determined to get there before 10 p.m. so that oh, people that's could a great motivation. Me. Okay, so we're coming into Kirk Acom, and it's dark. Sorry, John. Yeah. That's cool. No, I was going to say, I've got that in front of me. It was 23 minutes past nine. There we are. Finished. There you go. And, and the PM. But when did you when did you see the lights? When did that come into your vision? Um, so you go you go up a hill, right? And you get to the top of the hill and you, and you can't really see anything. And my watch is telling me the finish is right around the corner. But I'm like, I can't see it. And then because you're sleep deprived, there were actually a couple of points in the course where I didn't know if it was real. So, so I'm running down and I'm, I'm I'm thinking to myself, I'm about to finish the spine. And then I'm like, nah, nah, I can't, I can't be, I can't be about to finish the spine. Like I, I've just gone out for a run. I'm getting confused. I'm not about to finish the spine. And then I get around the corner and my dad, he's got this, this tiny little bell. He first, he first started ringing it to me. He came down to support me in um, Jedburgh, Jedburgh Ultra. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember what month that is. Was it September, October? They, they came, they came down. They came down to support me, and I remember running through woods, and my dad standing there ringing this little bell, running along the wood, going, "Come on, Ali! Come on, Ali!" Ringing this bell. So I get around the corner to Kirk Yetham, and there he is, ringing his little bell <laughs> with um, Riley, their dog. They've got a little border terrier. Riley sitting there going woof, 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 at me um, and then I can see the see the archways and I was determined not to be one of those people that gets through the archways and then stops and then everyone has to shout shout at you you need to go to the wall so I started to go through the archways and then Alan started kind of running beside me and then I got to the wall and then instead of kissing the wall I headbutted the wall <laughs> um, and then I kind of, after I'd headbutted it, I was like, I can't, I can't kiss it now. That's weird. So I just kind of kept it at my, my head against the wall. And then I sat down in the plant pot, as like a kind of most most people do. You know, it's your, your right of way. If you get to the wall, you can sit in the plant pot. Um, but then my feet had got quite sore by that point, And I just wanted in to get my socks off because my feet were soaking. So I kind of didn't do any post-race chat. I know that some people kind of get a couple of questions when they're on Facebook Live. But I was like, I just want to get my socks off. Um, so went straight inside the pub and got my socks off and then someone kindly took a video of me crawling on all fours to get to the toilet because I was refusing to go back on my feet <laughs> um, but yeah it, it felt surreal it didn't it didn't feel real it didn't feel like I was there it almost felt like another hallucination I love the image of your dad ringing that wee bell I absolutely love that how does it feel right now how does it feel for you speaking about it still feels surreal like a dream 
even like the, the week after it, I would wake up during the night and I would think I was stuck at hut two <laughs> and I would think I was going to miss the cut off for the finish. And there's been, I think, two occasions where Alan's had to go to me. It's OK. The race is over. And at one point I went to him, what happened? And he was like, it's OK. You finished. And then I just go back to sleep. So um, tell, Alan, it's, tell Alan he's now going to tell you the next time you do that, that you won it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But then I would suddenly wake up and I'd be like, no, you're lying now. I know that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) No, because, I mean, it's, well, you know what? I was going to say it's one of these things that we would probably call a once in a lifetime thing. But we know that that's maybe not always the case, you know. But to to set out and to complete that is quite phenomenal. I hope you are really, really proud of yourself. You should be. It's a fantastic achievement. And you've also explained about um, the support that you had in your running club and they'll all be mega proud of you as well. So that's absolutely fantastic. I love it. I love it. Um, What watch do you wear? Garmin Phoenix 6S Solar. Right, okay. And did that serve you well? Um, I mean, the, the battery life is, is never great on these, but you can charge them on the go. So, you know, I would just, I, I just charge it on the go. I'm kind of used to it during longer races that, you know, if I've got it on, I didn't have it on navigation for the spine because I had the handheld GPS, but every 20 hours um, it kind of needs charged, which is fine. It was, it did the job, it recorded the full thing. Except the only mistake I made was, I left it running when I went into checkpoints because I wanted the, the time to keep running so the time was accurate. Yeah. But the GPS would have a little party when I was in the checkpoint. So my Strava route is actually something like 290 miles instead of 268. Although I'm told that we did 274, I think, with the diversions. But still, my, my Garmin seems to have done an extra 16 miles of partying in the checkpoints. But that's fine. I'll Don't take it. Jumping about the checkpoints, looking for the yeah. lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> that would be John. John's would have, John would have done about three hundred and eighty-five. I'd, I'd be over three hundred and eighty-five. Oh, um, where is it? Did you have any hallucinations that you can remember? I had a couple. Some of them were, I mean, some of them were quite boring. So before Penny Gent, you go through a bit, and in it. I kept hallucinating that were cows. So I've got this, I think it's quite rational. Alan thinks it's quite irrational, but I've got this fear of cows. They can they can charge at you, they're quite scary. Um, and I kept, because of the rocks in the dark, they're like quite big, and then it looked like they had like patches of colour on them. So I kept thinking that they were like packs of cows, but but they weren't. But every so often I'd be like, oh shit, cows. And then I'd be like, oh no, it's just a rock. Um, the only funny one I had was when I was going into checkpoint three, you go down down a path and you go over a, a bridge that goes over the river. And as I was coming down the path, I was like, oh, look, there's a fox surfing. And then a couple mm-hmm. of minutes later, I was like, why, why would a fox be surfing down a river in the middle of the day? So that was the only, like, good hallucination I had. The rest, I, I kind of think of them as people call them hallucinations, but I think they're more just like, I don't know, tricks of the mind. You know, because to me, a hallucination is something that you see and you think it's actually real. Whereas for me during ultras, like a, it's more just like my eyes playing tricks on me. Like they think they see something, but I know it's not that. So. Yeah. But then a fox surfing, that would take your mind off whatever was happening at the yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
awesome. Brilliant. Wow. Um, and Ali, you were out there for the best part of a week, eh? It's like um, you said that you charge your watch every 20 hours and people will be sort of taking a double sort of double take at that going what charge your watch every 20 hours um i was six six and a bit days yeah so yeah. you know it's a um well one it's quite a large chunk of your life that you spend on that particular race and i'll leave massive amount of memories as you can tell by the way that you're speaking about it just how much a mark it's 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 left on you well will you go for something as long and as that again is it whetted your appetite? So everyone keeps saying to me, like, what next? Like, how how can you how can you beat that? And I don't I, I don't like saying this in case Alan throws it back in my face, but I don't think I'll do the spine again. Only because for me it was it was so special. The support was was incredible, and I don't think it would it would live up to that again. So I I don't think at the moment I don't think I'll do the spine again. But you've got stuff like Swiss Peaks or TGD, no, TDG, um, or something like that, where I'm like, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, like, part of me was always scared about the time it takes in terms of training, and the time it takes in terms of recovery, but my training, really enjoyed it, got lots of runs in with the dog, um, did lots of other ultras in the build-up to it, and recovery, touch wood so far, has been pretty good you know i'm i'm back running i'm i'm fine so wow can I, jump, yeah, can I ask about you mentioned that you went on all four because you only want to go back in your feet how bad were your feet and how long was the recovery be- before your feet felt normal okay so the, the feet thing is is my fault so basically my feet were perfect until the last checkpoint so I went with um, Debbie's recommendation of the merino wool socks and then deck shell socks. And I got, I went into a running shop and got, you know, shoes specifically. So I got the Innovate, is it G270s or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I got, I got them, got them up, a size up so that I could fit a couple of pairs of socks. But they're different shoes to what I'm used to wearing. So I'm used to wearing speed goats. Right. So they didn't have the same kind of, cushioning and um, people don't recommend speed goats for the pen anyway because of like the the bogginess and stuff but because we didn't have the bogs I thought right for the last section legs are feeling good I feel like I can run yeah, or crawl. jog <laughs> crawl a couple of bits so I thought I want my speed goats but with my speed goats I couldn't fit the Dexter shell socks right. so I had to I had to sacrifice the waterproofness to wear my speed goats so I knew that for the, the 60 odd miles that we had left, I'd be fine. I'd be a bit sore at the end, but it would be fine. Um, so when I got to the end, I'd started to get like, it was just like early trench foot, but it wasn't, it wasn't that bad, but it was just, it was just nipping. So when you go in at the finish, they give you like a warm bowl of water to put your feet in. And that was when they got worse. It's just, they got really nippy. Um, so when I then, my mum was like, oh, we just head home. And I was like, yeah, that's fine, but I'll just nip to the toilet first. And I was like, I, I can't face walking on these feet. So I'm just going to crawl. But after, like, they dried out with, over, like, overnight sleeping and they were fine. But I had something new in my feet, which I've never had before. I had, like, some sort of, like, nerve damage. Um, I've now seen on the spine Facebook page that it's actually quite common that people get it after the spine. And it was just where my, my feet would feel really numb or really sore. 
Um, so uh, Alan was on daily foot massage duty. <laughs> um, and um, at the moment, my feet have pretty much recovered apart from my, my pinky toes. There's still a little bit of numbness in my pinky toes, but I mean, they, they were fine. They were actually worse when I was lying around rather than when I was up and walking and, and jogging or whatever. So, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, considering they did 268 miles, they were, they were pretty nice. None of my nail polish had chipped, which was a bonus. <laughs> oh, no, that's a testimony. <laughs> oh, man, everybody needs an Alan. He's even massaging the feet now. I know. Right? I was just thinking about that, dude. Alan, the <laughs> hidden hero. You listen to this if he's a podcast fan. Alan, get on you, pal. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. You know, I've been totally, ins- I am totally inspired by listening to your journey, your spine journey. It is, and I'm going to go back to what I said earlier on. What you've done is extraordinary, man. It's phenomenal to be to be doing that. We've spoken to a few people about um, these challenges and the the spine race, and we've always you you mentioned earlier on why well you said why would I do the summer one? I'm going to do the winter one. That's that's I I still struggle to get my head around why people would would do it. But I'm totally in awe of everybody that. Uh, puts yourself in that even even signing up for it does my blows my mind actually blows my mind so it's been brilliant to, to listen to your spine journey and as i say i find it very very inspirational but i would like now to hand over to stevie boy who's going to open up the double d steve yeah we have a weekly request for a dialect dictionary nominated word or phrase that you feel is um yeah either someplace local to you where you were brought up something you've learned out in the spine who knows over to you for a contribution <laughs> okay so uh, i actually had to google to find out what words were were in my local dialect and i was going through the list and i came there was a word that i came across where i was like i actually use that word quite a lot and it was the word pied so um, on, and since I've been speaking about Alan a lot, so on our second date, Alan went in for the kiss, thought he was being smooth, and I pied him. And <laughs> that is that is when I use the word most. When people is t- when Alan is telling people about our um, early dating or early courting, and yeah. um, tells them, "Oh, I didn't think she liked me because on the second date she pied me." <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, went away him with my tail between my legs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, but I'm happy Alan played the long game he's still there man and and you you know what it's brilliant because you've given us a fantastic Scottish dialect word and you've given us a context as well so uh, brilliant I know Absolutely and when brilliant. most people hear pied they'll think that's something to do with something that John's really fond of <laughs> um, but it's no it means um what is the tra- exact translation for pied? It's, it's it, it was like ignored or aye, ignored, ignored or, but disrespectfully sort of in a way sort of yeah. I just pied them. Ignored, <laughs> ignored. <laughs> Scottish <laughs> ignoring. Anyway, Brilliant. it's in. We were short of peas. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Ali. And yeah. you know what? Since about forty minutes ago, you've heard us on tenterhooks with what this is going to be. So. 
Young Hearts Run Free La Buff Buff Collection Volume 4 is awaiting your nomination, Ali. What track are you going to give to our listeners? Okay, so um, I've got a really bad habit of when I like a song, I just play that song on repeat for ages and ages and ages. So when I was going over the Cheviots during the spine, I was like, I was, I was actually really happy, lovely day, nice snowy, felt like I was flying along, which obviously I wasn't, but relative for the spine I was. Um, and the song I had on repeat was Sam Ryder, Put a Light on Me, which is slightly embarrassing, you know, my, my, my pop taste, but, you know, it got me over the Cheviots, so. Hey, whatever, I love that song, good poppy tune. Whatever song resonates with you at any given time and it sounds like for you it was a very long time you were listening to that song yeah. <laughs> it works for you and it's gone right in to the La Buff Buff Collection Volume 4 thank you very much thank yeah, you very much for that yeah I know and I do get it Ali a song that you just repeat repeat and you've you've almost plundered all the goodness out of that song you might ever never know be able to listen to it ever again now who knows but at that moment in time it served you exactly the way that you needed it to we've all got songs like that and they're usually a guilty pleasure song as well so sin brilliant sin brilliant oh man ali you've taken us it definitely has been a 268 mile whistle stop but a wee bit longer if you stop at checkpoints and your gavin has a dance but you know what it's been a wonderful description of an amazing journey that you've that you've taken us on. Thank you very much for sharing that. You, I'm going to go back again. You called yourself a nobody, but then you used the word legend. I'm going to go with the second one. Absolutely brilliant what you've done. And thank you so much. You know, we are, and everybody, as I said earlier on too, regardless of where you are in that, in that lineup and where your dots are and everybody was on board with it, you played a massive part in this year's, let's get it right, winter spine race. So congratulations. Very, very well done. I'm going to hand over to Stephen just to yeah. wrap this up. No, I totally agree with everything John just said, Ali. I think that's been an awesome first-hand account. And, you know, it's great. You can tell how recent it is for you. Do you know what I mean? Just by the the, your, the way that you're describing things and recounting them, um, you can tell how recent. And you can also tell how much it's meant to you by, you know, getting to the finish line, but how much you enjoyed it in a weird sort of retrospective way. Um, that That's that, um, that we all are familiar with at some stages of our running journeys, but no all to the point of doing... This, the winter spine race of course yeah I, I'm absolutely in awe of all you guys who well toe the line for that race but whether you finish it or start it because it's getting to the start line even and the endeavour that's went to get into the start line is 90% of the tail you know okay it's a long 10% the rest of the tail um, the actual race but um, all that hard work and it's like you can tell it's consumed you thinking about it even after it still dreaming about it and, and like that oh wait a minute is this over is the dream finished um, and I'm sure you'll keep on dreaming big because yeah I can see uh, that your fire's still well and truly lit so yeah good luck for the rest of this year and beyond thank you no worries at all and thanks for giving up your time to speak to us pair of neighbours it's been, uh, it's been fun it's been fun reliving it <laughs>
Awesome. Well, thank you very much. And yeah, we'll catch up out in the trail soon. Yep. Thank you. Get your logs in this.